Well, amen, and just, again, I can't express just how wonderful it is to be back, and yes, it was a wonderful trip to the Holy Land. I, I just, I love going to Israel. It was my fourth time going, and if, uh, if I could get on a plane again tomorrow, I probably would. I, mean, I just love going over there. You know, I've been asked before, it says, um, do you find that God speaks to you? When you go on a trip like that, when you go into the to God's holy land, does do you do you hear God's voice? And the answer is yes. Uh, in fact, I think there's a biblical reason that I mean God can speak to us anywhere, but I am a believer that God uses that land, that physical place, to do something. And He really, I don't know, you just get revelation while you're there, and God does something. And, and yes, God spoke to me. I really feel that you know God did some things. Um, while I was there, you know, I spoke in little ways and big ways and just blessings. And, you know, it was really enjoyable. But actually, I want to tell you about two things that I really just kind of heard God's voice in while I was there. In fact, I'll tell you, these aren't really new things for me, but he just kind of used this time and this trip and his voice there in the land to kind of reconfirm some things he said to me before. And it was good to hear. It was just a good reminder. The first thing that I, I just just really, again, heard God speaking to me about, um, and again, I've heard before, but he just, again, gave it in a fresh way. That I know that while I was there, and I had the privilege to meet with our sister congregation, Beta Emmanuel, there in Tel Aviv, and preach to them, and, and minister with their people, and, and just spend some time there. God really, again, helped reveal and show something in my life that he's been, again, showing for a while, that that his plan, one of his plans for me, his desires for me is to really even full-time go and be able to travel and speak and preach and go out to all kinds of different places around the world. I know God has put a calling on me to go out and spend the majority of my time going out and preaching. Now, here's the second thing he told me. Not yet. Now, some of you are like getting a little worried, or some of you are like, oh man, I thought he was fixing a, you know, something. I don't know what your reaction was there. If it was, if it was sad, you can tell me that. No, God has been, you know, I love pastoring. I love, I, don't get me wrong, I love pastoring. I love being in a church. I love staying there. But just as much as I love getting to walk into a new place and getting to go travel and go to places and cultures that are not my own and deal in languages that are not my own. And, and preach the gospel. It just, there is, I just get stirred up. There, I just get, to do that, you know, God just moves in a very special way in that time. And I really do believe there'll be a time in my life, at some point, uh, where God has me doing that, probably in full time. Uh, traveling and preaching and, and doing revival. So I'm going to be preaching a revival down in South Texas in about a month. And I just love when I get those opportunities. And yet, I mean, I, I love coming back here. I really do. But I just, there's something about getting to go into a new place and just give a congregation a shot in the arm and, and just minister to them there. But here's how I also know God said not yet, and really not anytime soon, as far as what God is saying. Here's how I know God was speaking in this way, and saying, yes, I think that's a plan for you later in life. He's saying that because, here's what, you want to know what the favorite part of my trip was? I mean, just the, just the best, most awesome, blessed part of my trip was? It wasn't going to the holy sites, as awesome as those are. I mean, those are really cool things to go see places where Jesus walked. 
Um, it wasn't getting to be with a bunch of other pastors. If you didn't know, I went with, I think it was 15 or 16 other pastors from Johnson County. Um, it was great being with those guys, but that wasn't the main highlight of the trip. It wasn't even getting to go to be with Beta Manuel, a congregation who we know, we love, we, our church financially supports them. and I mean, I really loved it, but that was not the highlight of my trip. Of all the two weeks there, you know what my highlight was? The best part? The thing that just was the most awesome? There you go. Really. Coming home. Seeing my family. You know, getting, seeing the boys. You know, waking up, seeing my, seeing my wife too. She's having seen me because I brought her presents. You know, I brought her stuff from Israel. You know, no, I mean, just coming home and, and being back with family. It really was. I mean, all the other things, I mean, I greatly enjoyed them. Again, I, like I'm saying, I would, I would go back tomorrow if I could just because, you know, I love going over there. I love teaching in the land and all the things that happened over there. And, um, but coming home was awesome. And that's one of the ways God confirmed me. He says, you know, this plan I have for you one day to really go out there and be, be traveling, going this place and that place and way over here and, and, and that, that's not right now. That's down the line. Because God is reminding me, he says, you know, I need you right there with your family. Because God reminds me, every time I do get to travel and every time I do get one of those opportunities to go and speak somewhere else, and as much as I love it, I come back home, and I'm like, I'm a, I wasn't even gone two weeks. And I come back home, and I look at my boys and say, did you grow like six inches while I was gone? I mean, I mean, it's just like, I realized that just even a, in a short period of time, like I miss so much. And I know that this is a time of my life where I'm called to be stationary, kind of in one place with my family, there doing the activities and being in the church. And, and so I know God has called me to that, and that's great, and that's wonderful, and God gives me peace about that. But I love really especially getting to see, you know, I don't want to miss out on the times with my, my children as they grow. In fact, I missed one event that I was really looking forward to with my boys, something special we do every year. I missed it, and it drove me crazy to miss it. I mean, I just like, I don't, I don't get that particular memory back. And I do love coming home and just seeing, even in small ways, the, way, the ways they change. And this reminds me, I don't want to miss just one minute of that, seeing with my kids. And anybody who's a parent knows that feeling. As a parent, you know, you go, ah, those, those ages when they're young and they're little and you have them right there, you don't want to miss a moment of it. You know, I, I joke sometimes that if I could just freeze time right now, I would. If I could just kind of freeze my kids right where they were, and they're at the perfect ages. I mean, they still think dad knows everything. Boy, they're about to be, their world's about to be rocked when they realize I don't know everything. They want to hang out with me. That's going to change soon. You know, they, it's, they're sweet, but they're independent too. So when I get annoyed, I'm like, go play, go do something on your own. You know, I mean, no, it's a, they're just, it's a great age. And I sometimes say, oh, I just don't want them to ever change. But that's really not true. In fact, you know, if I went away for two weeks or two months, or even two years, and I came back and I looked at my kids, and they had not changed at all. They hadn't grown physically, emotionally, spiritually. Really, in truth, I'd be disappointed. I mean, I want to be here for every moment of, of, they, of them growing and maturing. But if time went by and they didn't ever grow, they didn't ever develop in the ways that I would expect them to, I would be saddened. I'd be disappointed. Now, I'm telling you this because God carries the same kind of attitude towards us. Remember, what does God really want from you and me? 
Does he just want to get us to get our hell insurance? Just I got to make, make sure that salvation take care of, and then just make sure I'm going to be in heaven with him, and just, I'm not going to worry about anything else. No, that's not what he's wanting from us. I mean, he wants to save us for a relationship with him. He wants to be like I want to be with my kids. He wants to be with us, and he wants to see us, and he wants to he wants to know that we're enjoying his presence and getting to know him. But he also wants to see us grow. God does not want to see us just hit one place in our life, just get one thing figured out with Him, and just stay there. God has not designed us, God does not desire for us to plateau. He does not want, just like you don't want that for your own children or grandchildren, you want to see them grow and develop and mature and gain the skills of life and all these things. God wants the same things for us. He does not want to look upon us and say, what happened? I thought you were supposed to grow in me. I mean, we get to come to God just as we are. We get to come with all of our ugliness and sinfulness and, and just, I mean, in all the worldly ways we're living, we need to come to God and He receives us in, in, in the midst of all that. But God doesn't say, oh, just stay in that life. He says, no, I'm going to slowly change you and form you and move you. And you've got to come with me. You've got to seek after me. You've got to grow with me. He doesn't want to look upon us and say, you've never changed. But that it happens a lot. It happens a whole lot. Maybe it's happened in your life. I've known times in my life I had to look back and say, there's really no growth happened there. I wasn't pursuing God. I wasn't seeking to get stronger with Him. I know God looked at my life and said, you know, why would you waste that time? What, I, what we're going to see this morning as we continue on in our series, a, a healthy family, a growing family, as we go through the book of 1 Corinthians, we're seeing that when we carry this attitude ourselves, when we carry this attitude of not bothering to worry about continual growth in our life, it causes problems. It causes problems for ourselves. In fact, what we're going to see, actually, it causes problems in the family, in your home family, in the church family. It's going to cause issues when we stagnate, when we plateau with our walk with God. What we're going to see is, as we go back and look at this letter that we've been studying for several weeks, as Paul addressed this church that had so many problems, they're gonna, he's going to address them how they plateaued, how they just they stopped growing, and you're going to see the problems that it caused. So this morning we're going to continue on in this series. Uh, this morning I believe we're in uh, part six, I think we are, and it's going to be the sin that stunts your growth. We're going to see what happens and what is the cause that keeps you from continual growth in the Lord. So we're going to, again, we're in 1 Corinthians, we're picking up in this and, and going through what God has for us, aiming to be a healthy family, a growing family. Look at the scriptures with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to go verses 1 through 4. It says this, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, 
and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? Now, we're only taking these few short verses this morning, but I believe if we'll pay attention to what's going on, this is a good reminder. Now, first of all, there's going to be a real temptation to say, well, Greg's really trying to preach to us and that other church. He's applying all this to Bono Church today. Well, hold on. I don't want to go there because that's, that wasn't a positive passage if you didn't get the gist. He was jumping on him pretty hard. We're not doing this so I can say, yeah, Bono, it's really talking about you. No, he was talking about the church in Corinth. So hold on before we examine ourselves and our church today. We're going to do that. I do want us to kind of take evaluation of where we sit, where we stand with our own walk individually in our families and our church family. But first of all, don't even go there. Look, just think back to that day. Think back to who is writing to the audience. That church in Corinth. Now, Paul was like a spiritual father for that church. Well, he really was. I mean, he was there. He started it. He was the first one in. He came in, as we're going to see next time we're in the Corinthians, he talked about he laid the foundation. He was there 18 months. Most churches, he was not even there near that long. He spent a year and a half with these believers. And he got them, he formed them, he pulled them out of a very secular world. He gets them formed. He gets them growing. He gets them the basic foundations of faith and and he starts, and he's got a heart for this place, and he goes, and he leaves. Because God has called him to do other things. God did not call Paul to be the long-term pastor. He says, I want, you're going to be a church planter. You're going to go, and I've got a new place for you to go. So Paul went on. But time went by, some years passed, and he hears the report on this church, and, and the report is they haven't kept growing. They didn't keep getting better. In fact, they stayed right where they were. And in fact, even in some ways, they regressed. They went backwards. And Paul was dealing with the church as a spiritual father. And he's saying to them, when I wrote to you, when, when I began to write this, I could not write to you as one who is spiritual or spirit-filled. i got to write to you as one who is worldly. He says, I can't give you the deep stuff. The rich stuff. He says, when I was there, I had to give you the milk. He says, when I was first with you, I gave you the milk. I gave you the beginning. I gave you the easy. That makes sense. They were first coming to Christ. You understand they were living in a world a whole lot unlike ours. They, they weren't living in the Bible Belt. They weren't surrounded by people who had tradition of being in church every Sunday. They, I mean, this was a completely radical new thing for them. In fact, I, I mean, I saw this. In Israel, if you want to kind of go back and sort of look at what it was like back then to accept Jesus, go back into that area. Because, you know, when I was in Beta Emanuel serving with them and pastoring, I mean, ministering to them, I mean, the believers there, do you know, if you're a Jew in Israel and you're going to come and accept Jesus Christ, become a Messianic believer, it could cost you your job, it could cost you your home. Uh, in fact, there's a whole organization trying to find Jewish believers in Christ and to kick them out of the country. I mean, beyond that, you, you think of Israel as some holy land. There is massive amounts of secularism, worldliness. I mean, friends, I could shock you with some statistics of things that are going on over in that land with some very ungodly people. 
And here I get to go see a church, and I'm, it's not the only one, but people who have been drawn out of that, a complete culture shift mindset uh, for them. It's hard. I mean, you're coming out of that worldly lifestyle. And that's what Paul was dealing with. He, he says, I understood, I understood where they're coming from. Paul didn't expect perfection from the church at Corinth, but he got them started. And when time goes by, he wants to hear that they've grown a little bit more. It's because he wants to come back. He says, when I come back to you, I want to give you, I want to get into the deep stuff. We didn't touch on this. Last time I was preaching out of, out of this passage, out of 1 Corinthians, in the end of chapter 2, it talks about some really deep stuff. We did kind of, kind of pass over a little bit, but it's talking about understanding the Spirit of God, being Spirit-filled. Well, guess what? That's deep stuff. That's not milk. That's a steak. That's a prime rib right there. I mean, that is, you can't feed a steak to an infant, right? And this Paul's trying to say, I want you to understand what it's like to live in the Spirit. I want you to understand what it is to discern what God has for you and to be Spirit-filled and to be able to live in the world but not be of the world. But that's deep stuff. That's challenging stuff. And he says, you weren't ready for it then. And here's the sad fact. You're not ready for it now. You're not ready for the good stuff. You're not ready for the deeper things because you haven't kept growing. You haven't kept getting stronger in the Lord. He wanted the report of time had passed and they were deeper in their walk. Not perfect, but at least deeper. Further along with God so we can come and give them the, the deep stuff. And he's heartbroken. He's heartbroken over the fact that they haven't got it. Now, I want you, here's what I want you to see. Again, just examining for a moment, before we kind of turn it around and look inwardly, just look at what happened there. I want you to examine this. Look at this. Look at the problems it was causing. He points out a few of them. He says, because they refused to grow, because they weren't getting any deeper with the Lord, what was happening inside the fellowship? And the body of believers. What was there? There was jealousy. So was, there was envious. They were envying one another's things and, and lifestyles. They were, you know, they, were, they were dealing with this heart of jealousy. What else was there? There were quarrels. So they were fighting among one another. They're arguing and bickering and all the stuff that comes with. This is the church, friends. Okay, this is not the secular world. He's talking about the church. So jealousy going on. Infighting. And what else? There's division, right? Because he says, some of you are saying, I follow Paul, because he started the church. And some of you are saying, I follow Apollos, because he came after Paul. He's kind of like the next pastor for him. So there are divisions. I like this guy. I like this guy. I'm over here. I'm over... The divisions that took place. Now, those are sins. Let me get it right. The, the, the sins, those are sins. Jealousy and the fighting and the pride of... I, I follow this way. There's sins, but let me tell you, that's really not the main sin that's going on here. Those are the symptoms. Those are the symptoms of a bigger problem of the church that day. That was the symptoms of the fact of what they weren't doing, that of, a, of a main problem that was causing the, the result was the jealousy and the fighting. And the division. That what was causing a problem. To the place where they weren't growing. 
You know, like I said, on this trip I was on these past two weeks, the, there were 15 or 16 pastors. You know, all the pastors here have a connection with a group of Jewish believers in the land. And so that's why we're all going over there together. Uh, and so all the pastors gathered together, and I knew fairly well probably about half the guys. The other ones I just knew, you know, kind of in passing. But as happens, you, you know, we had a pretty tight quarters. I think we you had 16 of us, and I think we had a bus that fit 18. We were tight, you know, and, and we had a room together. And so, I mean, we, had, we were in kind of close quarters with one another. So all these pastors were getting together. And I've heard it before, but I saw it once again. You know, I, I hear these... These pastors, I hear the stories. When you get a bunch of pastors together, first of all, watch out. We can get a little wild. You know, I don't want, there's, what happens in Israel among the pastors stays over there. I'm not going to break any secrets, okay? It didn't get too bad. No, but I'm going to tell you, I hear these pastors. And to tell you the truth, I have rarely, rarely, rarely ever met a pastor who had poor intentions going into a church. Like wanted to go in and really mess things up. I have met those, believe it or not. But they're very few and far between. Almost every pastor I meet and every pastor I was just on with a trip has a heart of good intentions. I mean, they, they desire to see good things happen in their church. Whether it actually happens or not, they want it. And they go in with a heart of not, of not pride or you know, want to show off, but wanting to serve the people of God. And yet I hear from man after man, pastor after pastor on this trip, of the things they have seen happen inside their churches and the horror stories. I mean, one pastor will tell about what he saw, you know, one person treated another in his church, the things that were said. And you're going, oh my goodness, hopefully this doesn't happen very often. And then another one will pipe up and say, oh, I had it even worse than mine. And over here and over there, the stories, guys. I, sometimes I wish some of you could just kind of be a fly on the wall with a group of pastors to hear some of the things that pastors have seen people in their churches do. I mean, wow. Now, I know we're all sinful, broken people. I get that. None of us have attained perfection, me least of all. But the stories you could hear, the things that happen inside churches today, jealousy, envy, the quarrelsome, and the divisions, only the tip of the iceberg. Right? I mean, all kinds of stuff happening in the church. I'm not talking about some secular social gathering. I'm not talking about a group of friends hanging out weekly at the local watering hole. Some of them treat each other better than what we see inside the churches today. I mean, I'm here story after story after story of the symptoms of churches who were going exactly through what the church of Corinth was going through. They weren't growing. They weren't getting deeper in their walk with the Lord because of something they were doing, a major problem they had. And what happened? The symptoms started coming out. The jealousy, the fighting, the, all the stuff that begins happening. And so we had to look upon those churches, those families, and say, you're not ready for the deeper stuff. I want to give it to you, but you're not ready for it. You're too busy fighting. You're too busy being jealous. I mean, friends, it's all around. Now, I don't want to jump on churches because, one, there's no perfect church. If you're out there looking for the perfect church, you've got a long look ahead. 
Because churches are hospitals. We're all sick people. We're all got our problems. I get that, friends. But we've got to remember this. God has called us to continual growth. Is there going to be problems along the way? You betcha. But when a family, whether that's your family at home, or that's a church family, when you plateau spiritually, when you stop growing in the Lord, look at what things are going to happen. Jealousy, the envy, the fighting, the divisions. So what, what was the real problem behind it? If those, are, if those are the symptoms, if those are the symptoms of a sick church, and that church was sick, like there are a lot of sick churches today. A lot of sick families today. What was the real problem? It was just, it's simple. I mean, Paul tells them, you are still worldly. Which tells us what? Here's the problem. Here's where, here's where they got off track. They stopped pursuing God, listen to me, together. The last word is a key word, friends. Because to be a healthy family, you need to have people who are God-pursuers, but you need to have ones who do it together. Because if you are with another person, pursuing God equally, passionately, when the ugly stuff comes up, when the sinfulness of our life comes up, when the worldliness that is still on us comes up, it can be dealt with. It doesn't defeat us. It doesn't distract us because we are pursuing not the worldly way of living, but we are pursuing God. See, friends, we don't realize the price we are paying when we plateau in our growth and our walk with God. We think, I just reached a dry spell. Life's too busy, or this or that. We don't realize it's not just hurting our own lives. It's not only causing us to miss out a blessing, it's hurting the family. It's hurting your family. And the symptoms will begin to emerge. And the jealousy and the enviness will be right there. And the quarrelsome, the fights will be just always waiting under the surface. And the divisions, you'll be sitting on opposite sides of the field instead of being one team together. The symptoms will begin to appear. And then you've got to have somebody come in and says, What happened? I thought we were going the right direction. I thought we were growing, but no, you stopped. You held still. And you're not ready for the deep stuff. You're still on the first step. You're still an infant in Christ. You're still growing with the basics. But the good news is, as Paul was telling them, as Paul was jumping on that church, as he was saying, you guys are still babies in Christ. His point was this. Get back to feeding. Get back to, to nourishing on God and seeking after Him, and you'll begin to grow again. And I've said it already in this series, and I'll say it again. The end of the story is, the church listened. They didn't become perfect, they didn't get everything figured out, but they listened. 
and said, yeah, you're right. We've stopped growing. We've stopped pursuing God. And all these problems are going up. And let me tell you, friends, we're not, as we go through this book together and the weeks we have ahead of us, the ugliness of their sins will become even more evident. There's a lot more stuff we haven't even touched on yet. It's, it all comes out of this. They weren't pursuing God. And the pride that built up in them that they don't need to pursue God. Okay. This whole time I've been telling you, just look at, you know, just look at that church back then. I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm preaching about this other place. Okay? This is not Greg coming here on some, after some trip to Israel and trying to be holier than thou. I'm trying to tell you, oh, these people here got it right. You guys are messing it all up. That's not what Greg is doing. All right? I'm not here to do that, I promise you. I said, I want you to examine that church, that time. Look at the symptoms. Look at the problem. But then it's up to you. Turn it inward. You've got to, you've got to look at yourself in this, friends. This is not for me to come up in here and say, you're growing and you're not growing and you're doing right, you're doing wrong. That's, that's not my place. You need to step back and say, am I growing in the Lord? Am I at least pursuing Him? I didn't say, are you perfect? I didn't say, did you not mess it up at all this past week? I said, are you trying to pursue God? Are you doing it? Are you trying to seek growth in your life trying to go deeper are you trying to take that one next step are you trying to get that one bit more deeper piece of nourishment from god or are you just sitting still plateaued flatlined in your growth walk with god and it's pretty easy if you're not sure just go look at the symptoms are the symptoms there because guess what? Remember I told you that if you're not growing, it's going to show up. It'll show up in your life and it'll show up in your family. It shows up in your church family. The symptoms are there. The symptoms of the jealousy and the strife and the fighting and the divisions and all that comes with it, it's there. That'll tell you. That'll give you evidence. Look at it in yourself. Examine it for your family. Examine it for our church family. Again, there ain't any perfect church, friends. I don't want you to think that there is. But how do we begin to change and get on the right path? Individually, in your home family, in our church family. How do you get on the right path? If you're not growing, how do you get on the right path? I've already told you. Seek God together. Let me tell you, friends, you can, you can go after your walk with God and try to grow in Him, but if you'll do it with someone else, with several others, it'll be all the better. I told you when we began our series in Corinthians, I was going to give you some 30-day challenges, and it just so happens I missed the first, whatever, 12 days of February, so I wasn't able to give you your February challenge, so we're a little bit behind, so I'll give it to you now. You know, the first when we started this, I said, I challenge you, I said, as we go through this, let's remember to speak blessings to someone instead of jumping right into criticism, critique, negative, speak a blessing to them. Now, I don't know if you took, took that challenge, did well with it, didn't do it at all, whatever. Hope you did. If you, if you took 30 days of willing to say, I'm going to speak blessings, you're, you've found what happens there. And here's my challenge to you now. Seek 
God intentionally, passionately, purposefully together with your family. And I mean that I mean that very specifically. I mean it your home family and your church family. I challenge you to go home today. I'm a, I've uh, I'm going to do this in my family. I got my wife right back there. She's going to keep me accountable. So we're going to sit down and say, "All right, what can we do as a family to seek God better?" What can we do? How can we together make sure we're growing? Not just me, not just her, not just the kid. Together. I ask you to do the same thing. Go home. Whatever your family unit is, whether that's you got people in the home or it's your family is spread out, you've got to call them. It doesn't matter. Whatever your family unit is. If, somebody, if you're already doing that, if you know you're already pursuing God together, you already know what I'm talking about. You know the blessings. You know that you've been able to get through tough things and the symptoms aren't popping up everywhere because you're seeking God together. And then you've got to go beyond that, friends. Start in your families. We want a healthy family and a growing family, but we want that here too. There are opportunities, friends. There are ways for you inside this family. And I'm not talking about just coming and listening to the Sunday morning sermon. I'm talking about there are ways in this family to come and to seek God together. Get involved with one of those. If you don't know what they are, if you're not sure there's one that fits you, come talk to me. We'll solve that problem. I promise you. Seek God together. Friends, if anything, I bring to you is a warning. Say, look at this church who had so much happen. Look at this family that had so much wrong, so, much, so many issues, so much infighting. So much division. And what caused it? The people had stopped pursuing God together. And it was killing them. You know, um, one thing that strikes me in going to the land, going into Israel every time, is God, God is repetitive. In fact, it's really interesting. God uses this very same, I mean, I'm talking just square foot of ground to repeat the same lesson over and over. I'm not going to get into all the different ways it is, but I mean, you go to these sites and you realize, oh, this in the Bible happened here, and then this in the Bible happened right here, and then this in the Bible happened right here, and they always have the same theme. And God's trying to say, hey, right here, Hey, dummy, uh, get it. I've got to tell you a hundred times, because he has to tell me a thousand times to get something. He keeps doing it. The same place. I mean, the same physical place, the same lesson in a different way, over and over and over and over and over again. It's repetitive. And God is trying to do the same thing to us, friends. And he's trying to say, look, this has been a problem in families, in churches, for a long time, there's been divisions and there's been splits and there's been all this stuff and it's because the people have stopped growing and stopped pursuing me, God. And won't you pay attention to my warning? I've been trying to show See, God, He never just brings something on us. He tries to tell you and tell you again and tell you a third time and a tenth time and a hundredth time so you get your attention. And I think he's trying to do that to us. 
Friends, you want a healthy family? You want a growing family? Part of that comes from pursuing God together. Again, I said, that was that church then. How about you today? Let's pray together. God, this morning we come, we come with a challenge. All of us come with a challenge. I, I myself am challenged, God. I, I have to look upon this same thing and say, you have called us to pursue you, to grow in you, to know more of you, to get stronger in you and deeper in you and, and just all, all of our, this, this wonderful relationship with you just make it so much sweeter. You've called us to do it together. God, I want this place, I want this church family to be made up of a bunch of families who are passionately, intentionally seeking you. None of us are perfect. God, you know that. We all know that. And we know that because we're sinful, there's going to be issues ahead. There's going to be hiccups and there's going to be uh, roadblocks and there's going to be all the little stuff that might happen. But if we're pursuing you, God then we know that the divisions won't defeat us and the jealousy won't overtake us. God, that we can get through it because our hearts, our minds are not on a worldly way of living, but they're on being Spirit-filled. So God, I pray you give us a heart of intention to seek you, not just individually, but together as a family. God, we thank you, we worship you, we ask that you call upon your children to respond unto you today, to commit unto you in this time. By the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Here's how we're going to close the service today. First of all, as I say uh, on a regular basis, we're never going to have a time with the word without you giving an opportunity for response. So in just a few moments, we're, we are going to do something special with our youth uh, as they prepare for this upcoming weekend and we to pray over them. But the Lord may be saying something to you. And so, as John is going to help lead us in just a moment to what to do for our youth, if the Lord's telling you to do something different, please be obedient to that. I'm going to be staying up here in case you need somebody to talk with. There's, there's going to be some spots up here. Maybe you need to come and pray. Maybe you need to get with your family, whatever that family is for you, and say, come on, let's just go have a minute together with the Lord. Let's just talk together for a minute. That's fine. Feel free to do that. I don't want you to think you've missed out on an opportunity for a response. Please don't. If God is telling you, here's what I want you to do today, would you do it? Now, in the same regard, we have an also opportunity and a blessing to pray over our youth in this coming weekend. Um, if you don't get to come and kind of see what happens in D-Now, you're missing out. And I don't want you to think it's just some couple of days for youth, or our teenagers to get together and just have fun and be silly. And I mean, all that comes with it, but I've just so many times seen God do awesome things. What, what happens is taking, taking our teenagers and is pulling them out of the world and just putting them right there where God can speak to them. It's an awesome time. It's a blessed time. And church, it needs your support. It needs your prayer. Seriously. We need to put our covering over because 
We'll have the youth of our church. We'll have many other youth from other places coming right in here to worship. They need our covering. And I ask you to take that seriously. So John's going to come for in a second. He's going to kind of give some instructions for us, what he wants to do. And then you're going to move and come and pray. And all the stuff he tells you, after you're done with what John has to do, or if, come, if you need to come and speak to me, whatever, you're welcome to go. You can give your offering. Then our tithing boxes there on the, on the back wall. Do so. Please don't forget, to, as we give, we give joyfully, and we don't want to forget that opportunity. to be. But let's make sure we have this. So, John... I'm going to pass it over to you. Tell us what you'd have us do this morning.